Several of you have, several of you haven't, that's fine, it's uh, good words in that song, and uh, lead me to Calvary, lest I forget Gethsemane, and lest I forget thine agony, what a great song, thank you Brother Stephen for playing that, I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word, open up to Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8, I want to ask you a question this morning, are you listening? All right, we got one out there, that's actually the title of the message this morning, are you listening, and hopefully you're listening this morning because we got some wonderful truths uh, that Jesus gives us out of uh, Luke 8. My intentions were to get a bit farther in Luke chapter 8, uh, but we're going to make it through three verses uh, this morning, uh, verse uh, 16 through 18. Uh, so we'll be in uh, Luke 8, verse 16 through 18. But let me just recap where we've been in Luke chapter 8. I can't possibly recap the whole book of Luke because we'd be here for a while. Uh, but Luke is... Uh, is writing to one man named Theophilus. Y'all know that. And he wants to see Theophilus get, get saved. So everything he's writing about Jesus Christ, he's wanting Theophilus to know this is the Christ. This is the Messiah. Acts goes and he's wanting now Theophilus to be a disciple. So that's what the book of Acts deals with. But in chapter 8, we've seen some wonderful truths. Wonderful truths. Christ is willing to use anyone. And uh, we saw that uh, with the women that follow Jesus. That, that Jesus went against customs and traditions, all for the sake of uh, pointing somebody to his kingdom. And all these ladies and women that followed him, followed him unashamedly. Christ was not interested in pleasing the crowds. Christ was interested in drawing men unto himself. Christ was interested in building the kingdom of God. We ought to be interested in not what the crowd has to offer, but building the kingdom of God. Amen? That should be our main focus today, building the kingdom of God. God is more interested in making us fishers of men than he is us following traditions. God wants us to be fishers of men. How do we become fishers of men? Follow Jesus Christ, and he will make you to become fishers of men. And so I pray this morning you have a lesson, and this lesson is I need to be more interested in the kingdom of God and building the kingdom of God than I am with pleasing men. It's time that Christians stop trying to please the world. Amen? It's time that we stop trying to please those who are in the world and the crowds and all this stuff. And it's time that we start pleasing our Father again. It's time that we start pleasing Jesus Christ again. That Listen, you are valuable today. It doesn't matter where you are in life. It doesn't matter if you are male or female. God has a purpose for each and every one of you. I hope that you believe that this morning. That you've got a part to play in building the kingdom of God. Last week, we looked at the sower, the seed, and the soil. We saw how the sower represents us and how we're to be throwing or casting or broadcasting the seed, which is the Word of God, out in our daily lives. We'll be casting it here and casting it there. It also represented Jesus at the time because he was sowing seed to the crowd. Now, from now on, in, in Luke chapter 8 and from the remaining portions of Luke, any time that Jesus speaks to crowds, he'll speak in a parable. And the truth and the parable we learned last week is we need to be faithful. The sower sowed the seed. The seed was good seed. The seed could not cast itself. The seed could not help where the seed went. The seed went where the sower planted it. But the seed is useless if it stays in the bag. And let me just tell you, the Word of God may have changed your life, but don't keep it in the bag. 
because it could affect somebody else's life, and so we've got to be sowing the seed. This morning, we're going to continue really with a, with a parable, and before we do, I want you to understand what Wearsby said about parables and about ours, and he says, the disciples were perplexed because Jesus taught in parables, so they asked him for explanations. Here in our text, they did. We don't understand what you're saying. And so his reply seems to suggest that he used parables in order to hide the truth from the crowds. But that's just the opposite of the truth. This is what Wearsby says. Luke makes it clear, Luke 8, what we're looking at today, his teaching is a light and must be allowed to shine so that sinners may be saved. A parable starts off as a picture that is familiar uh, to, the, to the reader. It becomes a mirror in which you see yourself, and many people do not like to see themselves. The Bible is a mirror, and it shows everything that's wrong with us, right? Everything that's wrong with us. So it starts off as this picture, but it becomes a mirror. You see yourself, and people don't like to see themselves. So in Jesus' time, when people didn't like to see themselves, they didn't like the truth. You know what they try to do? They try to kill Jesus. They try to throw him off a cliff. They try to uh, do all kinds of things to him and because they didn't like the truth. And a lot of people in our world today don't like truth. But truth is truth. You can't change truth. Truth is truth. And it should point, the Word of God should point to the faults in our life. You say, I've got faults. All of us got faults. We've all got faults. He goes on to say, Wearsby does, uh, if we see ourselves as needy sinners and ask for help, then the mirror becomes a window through which we see God and His grace. To understand a parable and benefit from it demands honesty and humility on our part, and many of our Lord's hearers lacked both. So I hope that the Lord gives you discernment this morning in this little parable that He's given us, and it's actually a continuation of what we read in the previous verses, but Luke 8, verse 16 says, No man... How many men? No man, when he lighteth a candle, covereth it with a vessel, or put it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. He goes on to say, For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. Take heed, therefore, how you hear. In other words, Jesus is this morning, and to the crowd he's saying, be careful how you're listening. Why? For whosoever hath, to him shall be given. And whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would uh, enlighten us this morning. Lord, we need you to give understanding to this passage of Scripture. Lord, I can do my best to explain it. But Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would move in hearts. I pray that you would challenge us not to be... Uh, Christians who let our light not shine. Lord, that we're hiding it from all the world out there. Lord, the world is dark, and it needs Christians to shine the light. Help us not to be ashamed. Help us to proudly shine the light for Jesus Christ. Lord, speak to hearts as only you can. In your name we pray. Amen. The first thing I want you to see this morning in verse 16 is our illumination. Our illumination. Now, there's different ways we could view this, this passage of Scripture. Verse 16, No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel, or put it under bed, but set it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. In other words, we could take it and say, Well, what is Jesus saying in this passage of Scripture? Is he talking to the crowds? Is he talking to his disciples? 
I personally believe that he's talking to his disciples in front of the crowds. In other words, I believe that the crowds are hearing what Jesus is saying, but he's given instruction to his disciples. Now, a light is not intended to be concealed to those around you. If you were to come into the church this morning and all the lights would have been off and all the lights in the vestibule out there would have been off and you would have walked into a dark auditorium, how many of you would have thought something's not right? No, nobody would have thought that. Like one person would have thought, okay, what's going on here? I know if I'd have walked at, at service time, 1045, and the lights are all off, I'd be like, what's going on here? Am I at the right place? And then you walk in, and you notice that everybody's just sitting here. No one's decided to turn the lights on. How frustrating would that be, right? You come into a dark place, and you're like, why didn't somebody turn the lights on? Nobody else turned the lights on, so I guess I'll just sit among the people in the dark. I'm sure somebody in this auditorium would go turn lights on because you don't want to just sit in a dark auditorium. You, you would like, a light is not intended to be concealed to those around you. We wanted you to come in and be able to see each other's faces, right? Look at the neighbor next to you. You get to see them now because the lights are on, right? You're like, oh, bless me, right? Oh, help me. Hey, I didn't tell you where to sit this morning. You sat there, okay? But you get to see your neighbor this morning. Now look at your neighbor and smile at him. Go ahead. Now, now smile at him. A smile is contagious. Now, if the lights had been off, you would have not seen that person smile at you. Thank goodness we got the lights on. Listen, I'm telling you, the world's a dark place. The world is a dark place, and somebody needs to turn the light on. Somebody needs to turn the light on so that they can see Jesus. Somebody needs to go shed the light and shine the light so that others can see Jesus and, and know that that light exists. The world's not getting any better. Do you all agree with that? It's not getting any better. It, it, is, it is a hard world to live in. Life is difficult, and the people just need the light to shine. This morning, Jesus says, hey, because the seed fell on good ground, remember that's where we were talking about, he continues this thought, that fruit of a good ground is light-bearing, that you're going to bear light where you are at. Jesus is talking to his disciples. We're not told yet he turned to the crowd. We're not told uh, if the crowd left, but I believe the crowd was there. Jesus was instructing his disciples. He's saying, listen, the seed that falls on good ground, that's the seed that's going to produce this fruit of light. And you'll be able to shine that light in the world. No one, no man, no man, he says, intended for a light to be hid. No man just puts it under a basket or a bed. That'd be dangerous to put a candle under your bed. How many of you with me on that one? Yeah, the, the bed might get a little hot on that one. You might be in flames if you try to stick the candle underneath your bed. But the principle is we don't hide the light. Too many Christians are hiding the light. You see, when the seed falls on good ground, it will, it will produce light. It will, it will produce light, and, and light is obedience, and true obedience produces true light and true fruit. We've been given a light. Where does that light come from? It comes from Jesus Christ, but it comes from the Word of God. He is the Word of God. He was made flesh. The Word of God was made flesh, John tells us. And so we've got the Word of God. We've got to hide it in our heart. Y'all remember the little song we sang last week? The Word of God's like little bitty seeds scattered all around. Uh, we need to be light bearers this morning. Light bearers. Why did Christ illuminate us? Why did Christ give us light? 
Now, we're not the light, but we bear witness of the light. We shine the light. We're like the moon. The moon just reflects what the sun shows it. So the sun is there. The sun is the, the one that's shining, everything like that. The moon just bears witness of it. And so we are here on this earth as a light, a moon, if you will, bearing light to this dark world. Why did Christ illuminate us? So that all who enter in may see the light. Christ gave you light so that people, when they see you, they may see the light. And let me just tell you, if you're a child of God and you've let that light grow dim, today I'm encouraging you, ask God to make it flicker higher. To say, God, would you just make my light burn brighter? That when I walk out of this place today, people will know something is different about me. We've got to be shining the light. I love what David Guzik says about light and the truth of God's word. If you have the truth of God, you have a solemn responsibility to spread that truth whatever way God gives you opportunity. Even as someone who has the cure for a life-threatening disease has the moral responsibility to spread that cure. Listen to what he says. God did not light your lamp so that it would be hidden. One must either spread the word itself or spread the influence of God's word by bringing others to a place where they can hear it and you really should be doing both. We ought to be spreading the Word of God this morning. Spreading the Word of God to those. You say, well, I'm not comfortable spreading the Word of God. Then bring them to a place where they can hear about the Word of God. Where they can hear that Jesus loves them. Died on the cross for their sins. And wants to save them. That God's not willing that any should perish. But all should come to repentance. We need to be light bearers. But light's not only for ourselves. Sure, it helps us in our ways and it helps us not to stumble, but light should make us think of other people around us. Think about the people in the world today, the 1020 window, 1040 window. You know what the 1040 window is? It's a, a strip across the world where 80%, 80% of the people that live in the 1040 window do not know the gospel of Jesus Christ. 80%. Live in that little tiny window. It stretches from Africa to, to Russia, and it's just, a, it's just a window right up there. Eighty percent of the people that live inside that window do not have a light. You know what we'd be praying for? God, send forth the light. God, send forth the light. Today we're praying for Russia. God, send forth the light. God, help somebody to get over there and shine the light. Shine the light of Jesus Christ. The world is a dark place. And there's millions all around who have no spiritual light. They are without God. They are without Christ. And they are without hope. Until somebody goes over there and starts shining light. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Right? Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Uh, we need to be light bearers. You say, well, I'm not going over to Russia. I'm not going over to Africa. You can still be a light bearer over there. How do you do that? You send somebody in your place. You know, while many of us here in the Bible Belt decide, we, well, we keep our light to ourselves all around the world. There's unconverted people who are dead in their trespasses and sin. They see nothing. They know nothing. And is there not anything we can do for them? Can we not get the gospel to them? How do we get the gospel to them? We can get involved in missions. 
We get involved in missions. We send somebody in our stead. If God don't send me, then God sends somebody else. Our mentality should be, I'm willing to go, God, if you want me to go. I'm willing to leave America if you want me to leave so that they can get the light. Think about where you would be if you were in the 1040 window. You know there's a God out there because the Bible says in Romans that we know that God's manifested himself in us and in his creation and that we are without excuse. But you don't know the true God. You know that he's out there. Something happened. Something created this world. But they're dead and trespassers and sin. Why are we going to South Africa in June? Why am, I, why am I bringing 15 people, 14 people with me to go to South Africa in June? Is it so that I can say, well, I brought 14 other people with me to, to another country? Is it so that we can go experience new things? Is it, is it so that we can have a good time? I, I believe we're going to experience these things, but that's not why we're going. We're going to help shed light. We're going to help shed light. You see, there's missionaries over there right now preaching the gospel today. Right now, this moment, they're preaching the gospel. They're shining the light. And we're going to come over there and we're going to walk beside them. And we're going to let our light shine beside them. And Lord willing, somebody will see the light and they'll want the light. Lord willing, somebody will get saved and give their hearts to Jesus Christ. We're going because every single one of our hearts need to be stirred for missions. Missions is the heartbeat of God. No man, no man lighted the candle and wants it to be hid. No man wants to take that light and let it say, well, I'm just going to hide it from everybody. Jeremiah tells us that the eye affects the heart. If If going to South Africa affects my heart for missions, I'll go every single year. I'll go to Peru. I'll go to Bolivia. I'll go wherever God wants me to do. If it opens my eyes towards missions, I'm going. Why? Because that's the heartbeat of God. And that ought to be our heartbeat as well. And, and people all around the world need light bearers. Light bearers. You say, I could never do that. God can use anybody, anytime, anywhere. Y'all believe that? Don't ever tell God, you can't do this, God. I can't do this. No, you can do this, or you can't, but God through you can, amen? God wants to illuminate us this morning, but not for our sake only. God wants us to illuminate the world around us. Today, as we walk out of this place, let us be light bearers. Let us hold those lights up high. Let us declare to the world, I am a Christian, and I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know I am saved and on my way to heaven. And you be that light to this dark world. You have a choice to make today. Hide the light or shine the light. Those are the only two options. Hide the light or shine the light. Jesus says, listen, because the seed fell on good soil, there ought to be light. If seeds fall on good soil on your life and you're a child of God, there should be light. Then Jesus gives us number two, our last thought here. He gives us something to consider. Our consideration here, verse 17 through 18, for nothing is secret. What's what's secret? Nothing is secret. Not one thing is hidden from God. Not one thing. And he tells us this. He's wanting us to live, especially his disciples. He said, disciples, live in such a manner because realize this. You can't hide anything. Nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest or be made known. Neither anything hid that it shall not be known and come abroad. Because of that. 
take heed how you hear. Right? Know that you're going to give an account to God Almighty one day for how you shine that light. The context of these verses is this. Nothing will be concealed on Judgment Day. Nothing. Absolutely nothing will be concealed on Judgment Day. What does that mean? That means one day, Scott Young is going to stand before Jesus Christ. And Scott Young is going to give an account for what Scott Young did while he was on this earth. Now, my sins have already been dealt with. Jesus nailed them to the cross. Amen? He said, it is finished. My sins are there. I'm giving an account for how I let my light shine. How that God gave me that light, and it's my responsibility to shine the light. And if I've been out kind of hiding that light, then I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ one day. And he's going to say, Scott, I gave you a light. And it could have been really, really bright in your life. But you chose to hide it on certain occasions. You chose to put it under a bushel. And for that, Scott, you lost some rewards. You didn't lose your salvation, but you lost rewards. Things that you could have given back to me. And I'll stand before Jesus ashamed of how I did not bear the light properly. See, whatever secret is hid right now, I may not know about your life. Your spouse may not know about your life. Your mama or daddy may not know about your life. But nothing's hidden with God. Nothing is hidden with God. I'll give you some more Bible verses. Ecclesiastes 12, 14. You can just make notes of these if you want. For God shall bring every work unto judgment with every secret thing whether it be good or whether it be evil. How many of you believe the Bible this morning? Amen? Okay, he says, Nothing. God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing. It means the secret things that we don't want anybody to know about, one day it's going to be opened up. So I found the best way to deal with sin. Cover it with the blood. Because once it's covered, it ain't going to be uncovered again. Amen? That's good. That's good right there. Cover it with the blood. It's already been shed for you. Cover it with the blood. And when we get to heaven, those sins are forgiven us. And God's not going to say, hey, do you remember that sin that you asked for forgiveness for? Well, let me bring it up again. No. God's not going to do that. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who will both bring the light to light, the hidden things of darkness, and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. Nothing's going to be hid. Nothing's going to be hid. Luke 12, For there's nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. That's scary. That's something we need to pay attention to. The things that we've spoken in the dark will be heard in the light. And that which you have spoken in the ear, in closets, shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. That ought to terrify us. The things that I have spoken to people in the closet about. Jesus said one day is going to be broadcast from the mountaintops. I don't know about you, but that's scary. Man, that's scary. I'm going to give an account for these things that God says, all these things are going to be revealed. Isaiah 59, verse 1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is here ear heavy that it cannot hear. God sees and hears everything. Everything. 
one day Christians will give an account for how we live uh, the life that God's given us, how we let that light shine. One commentator said, you cannot conceal anything from the eye of God, so do not try to do so. You are like bees in a glass hive, watched while you are working, and your every movement observed. God can read the secret emotions of our hidden nature. Spurgeon says, all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. If you ever been to Bays Mountain, and you walked into the building up there at Bays Mountain, they got a hive. You can go, and it's got it's a glass hive, and you can go look at them bees, and that's the, I like that kind of, I don't want to be in the bee, in the beehive with them, but I like being gl behind glass where they can't get me. And so I watch these bees, and they work, and you can see everything that they're doing. Our life is like that with God. He sees everything. You say, well, does God see absolutely everything in my life? Yes, He does, because He knows everything. He knows everything. He sees everything. He's everywhere at the same time. If you hide your light today, it will be revealed that you hid your light in the judgment. God will say, why did you hide your light? I gave you ample of opportunity to let that light shine. Now, we're all prone to wonder from the light of God. This morning, the God, God's Word may be illuminating your heart, and you're trying to say, okay, we'll, we'll, just, we'll, we'll take care of that later. And you try to uh, put out that light a little bit. You don't, want, you don't want it in the dark crevices of your heart. It reveals things that should not be there, but we ignore the warning. There was a wealthy Chinese man. He was fascinated with the microscope. So one day on his trip to England, he decided, I'm going to get me a microscope. And he loved this microscope. I mean, he had so much fun with the microscope. Anybody own a microscope around here or been looking at a microscope? Okay, we got one that owns one. That's good. Oh, we got, we got another one there. Good. Okay, microscopes, they can be fascinating. You can put all kinds of things. This, this man was putting all kinds of things under this microscope, and he was just absolutely loving it until one day he took a grain of rice. Now, rice was his diet. Rice was what he lived on. He loved rice, but he took this grain of rice and he put it under the microscope. And to his amazement, do you know what he saw? Little tiny creatures in it. And so instead of getting rid of the grain of rice, what does he do? He takes the microscope, he smashes it on the ground, and he says, ha ha, I have taken care of that. Right? The, the microscope revealed something that was not right. And so what does he do? He destroys the source of the discovery. It revealed something distasteful to him. So he destroys it. That was a crazy thing to do. I'm sure microscopes were not cheap when he bought them. But he bought it. And now he has no microscope. I would agree with you that this is a crazy thing to do. But how many people hear a sermon, read a Bible verse, it exposes sin, they don't feel comfortable by what they're hearing, so they ignore the Word of God. We often do that, right? God pounds on our heart and says, hey, you need to get that right, you need to get that right. And we say, well, I'm just, I'm just going to close the book up. Whew, got rid of that problem, right? That ain't going to help nobody. That's not going to help you. This reveals the things in our life that should be getting right. And, and so don't ignore it. Don't destroy the source. Change. There was an old Puritan pastor by the name of Thomas Watson he said this about the Scriptures, and I want you to really listen. Take, he, take every word as spoken 
to yourselves. When the word thunders against sin, think this way. God means my sin. When it presses any duty, God intends me in this. Many put off Scripture from themselves as if it were only concerned those who lived in the time when it was written. But if you intend to profit by the Word, bring it home to yourselves. A medicine will do no good unless it's applied. The Word of God will do no good in your life unless you say, okay, I'm applying it to my life. Verse 17 could also mean that what is on the inside will make its way to the outside. And I would agree with that as well. So we can say, well, we're going to give an account of, of our actions one day to God or what, what things are in our heart right now will be made known, and I do believe that. Verse 18, we're told simply, be careful, take heed how you hear. Take heed how you hear. This word means take, take care, basically to have, to have sight, to see or to look at, to observe, to discern, to perceive with the eye. Jesus is telling them, and I believe he's telling us today too, pay close attention to what I'm telling you. Pay close attention to what I'm telling you and let it penetrate your heart this morning. You are not just to hear the words of God and do nothing. We are to hear the words of God and respond, right? That's what God wants us to do. For whosoever hath to him shall be given. What does this mean? The more understanding that you have of the Word of God, the more understanding that He's going to give you. The more that you are in the Word of God, the more the Word of God He's going to give you. Then it says, if you're not in the Word of God much, He says, whosoever hath not from him shall be taken even that which seemeth to have. You may seem to have it all together, but if you're not putting the Word of God in your life, you're not going to get a lot of the Word of God out of your life. So those who have the Word of God in their life, you've got a daily walk with the Lord. God's promised to give you more. Give you more of His Word. But for those who neglect the reading of God's Word and His commandments, He's saying you're not going to have more. It's going to be taken from you. You thought you had it, but you don't have it. We need to listen and obey. The more we listen, the more we obey, the more, God, the more understanding God gives us. And this morning... We are to apply the Word of God to our hearts. He looks at his disciples after telling them about the sower, the seed, and the soil. And he says, listen, if there's good soil and there's a good seed right there and it's planted and it's growing fruit, you should be light bearers. Don't hide the light. Let the light shine. And realize this, one day every single one of us will give an account for how we let that light shine. And it'll just be you and God. Your pastor won't be there with you. Your mama won't be there with you. Your daddy won't be there with you. Your grandma won't be there with you. You get the point. No one's going to be there with you. And that is a sobering thought. To know that one day I stand before God. Jesus Christ, the one who gave his life for me. I see his nail prints in his hands. I see the nail prints in his feet. I see him. I look upon him. And he looks back at me and says, you could have done better. You could have done better. Remember that opportunity I gave you to witness to somebody and you didn't do it? Scott, you could have done better. I don't know about you, but my life, I know I can do better. Just me. I mean, I, I'm just being honest with you. I know I can do better. And I, I think if you're honest today, 
you would say the same thing. I can be better for Christ. Let, let our light shine because one day we're going to give an account of how we respond to God's Word. Respond to His Word today. And when you go out of this place, let that light shine to its fullest capacity and ability. Let Jesus shine through you because the world needs Jesus this morning. Shall we pray?